Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Journey of Awakening podcast, The Neville Goddard Lectures. My name is Lena, and in this episode, I'm reading Neville Goddard's lecture uh, titled Live in the End from 1968. <clears throat> so Neville told his audience, I dare say that everyone here would say yes to the statement of scripture. With God, all things are possible. Mark 10:27. I don't think you'd be here if you did not believe in God and the God to whom all things are possible. But maybe we stop right there and we separate man from God. And my purpose is to show you that we are not two, that we are one, that God actually became man, that man may become God. So let us now tonight give you my reasons for my claims. We turn to the book of John, the gospel of John, and we are told that the world became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14. Well, that's a mistranslation. The word translated among is a Greek preposition in, within. The word became flesh and dwelt within us, in us, John 14, or 1.14. John used the plural us. For the nature whereof we consist, that the word of God, which is defined in scripture as the creative power of God and the wisdom of God, did not take upon itself some one person among men. For then that one assumed, excuse me, would have advanced and no more. But Christ, to save all, did not make this man or that man his habitation, but dwelt in us. That same creative word that created the universe and sustains it dwells in us. Therefore, with God, all things are possible. Mark 10.27 And therefore, with man, all things are possible. So he states it in one book, Matthew. With God, all things are possible. But in Mark, he states it, all things are possible to him, meaning man who believes. Can man believe? So this creative word is in us. Well, what is this creative word? It's your own wonderful human imagination. That's Christ and man. Man is all imagination, and God is man, and exists in us and we in him. The eternal body of man is the imagination, and that is Christ himself, the divine body, Jesus, and we are his members. So when you say, I am... That's he. Now, can you believe that you are now the man that you would like to be? Though at the moment of your assumption, reason denies it, and your senses deny it? Can you really conceive a scene, a scene which, if true, would imply the fulfillment of your dream? Just imagine it. Certainly you can imagine it, but the problem is, will you believe it? Will you believe in the reality of the thing imagined? If I could this very moment imagine myself into a state, any state at all, and dwell in it, well, now, what is dwelling in it? Well, I'm dwelling in it. Well, that's Christ, and that is the resurrecting power of the universe. So if I remain in a state, I will resurrect it and objectify it in my world. But I have to select it and enter the state. If the spectator could enter into any of these states in his imagination, 
approaching the state on the fiery chariot of his contemplative thought what would it be like if it were true how would i feel if i were now the man that i would like to be how would i know that i could become it well first as i assume that i am it let me think of my friends those who really would rejoice with me were it true let me imagine that i am seeing them in my mind's eye <clears throat> how do you how do they see me if what i am assuming is true they should see me as i am seeing myself and if they are friends they should rejoice with me so let me now assume that i am seeing reflected on the face of a friend that which if i saw it would imply he sees in me that which i have assumed that i am will that work <clears throat> try it i tell you from my own personal experience it works as we are told in corinthians do you not realize that jesus christ is in you unless of course you fail to meet the test second corinthians thirteen five moffat's translation now we are challenged he says come test yourself and see second corinthians thirteen five moffat well this is how i test myself if christ is in me and all things are possible to christ then i must find out who he is well i have found him as my own wonderful human imagination and because he dwells not only in me he dwells in us everything is possible to everyone in the world and so you help man best by telling him who christ is you could give him all the things in the world that he needs <clears throat> excuse me he'll come back for more tomorrow unless he knows who christ is you can give the entire world to any one of them they'll spend it waste it if they don't know who they are but tell him who he is and he doesn't need anything more than the knowledge of who he is and the application of that knowledge for we are the operant power it doesn't work itself i can tell you that your imagination is christ and maybe you'll believe me but unless you actually take it to the point of working upon it and operating it it means nothing well if this night i really believe it i would not allow the sun to go down in my sleep unless i feel myself right into the situation of the wish fulfilled it need not be a wish for myself it could be a wish for a friend for everyone in the world because christ dwells in all and christ is the true identity of every man then everyone must be myself pushed out there can't be another if god is one therefore i tell myself as a seeming other what would i do if i were you and instead of giving him the thing that he needs physically tell him how to get it for myself or for himself what would you feel like if now you were the man that you want to be how would you see the world if things were as you desired them to be now this is what i mean by living in the end <clears throat> robert frost just the year before he departed this sphere wrote this story for life magazine and he said the founding fathers did not believe in the future what a shock that they did not believe in the future they believed it in he said we are always imagining ahead of our evidence and the most creative thing in man is to believe a thing in they had no evidence to support their claim to democracy they were under a king when they threw the king away 
and began to simply build a concept of the future. They did not believe that the mere passage of time would bring them that dream. They believed it in. And these men believed implicitly in the word of God. And they believed that if I know what I want when I pray, believe that I have received it, and I will. Well, if that precept is true, literally true, to be accepted literally and fulfilled literally, well then, what am I doing? Not believing. I should not, I should actually know exactly what I would like to be. And, discovering what I would like to be against what I seem to be, dare to assume that I am it. And my assumption, though false, if persisted in, would harden into fact. Anthony Eden. That I know from my own experience, and I know it's a law, therefore, if someone is not becoming the man that he would like to be, and they tell me, well, I once imagined it, and it didn't work. Then what are you doing now when still not imagining it? If imagining creates reality, what are you imagining? For if Christ is the only creative power in the universe, and I identify him with my own imagination, well then, my imagination is creating reality. So what am I imagining? Pick up the morning's paper, and I am fed with everything I should not feast upon, all the horrors of the world, all the negative states of the world after having read it for an hour, then I must either regurgitate it or in some strange way rub it out, because I can't, can't go through life feeding upon such nonsense. But if I really know what I want, what you want, what we want, and persuade myself that we have it, if my premise is sound that imagining creates reality, I should, in the not distant future, hear you tell me that it works its work for you, and another one tells me, and I in turn tell you, and go through life sharing this marvelous news to others. So I say, live as though it were true, just as though it were true. That passage of Shakespeare, we have been taught from the primal state that he which is was wished until he were. Here we find it in Caesar, he which he which is was wished until he were, Julius Caesar by William Shakespeare. He wasn't born Caesar, the king, but here was an ambition fulfilled because he was wished into it. He desired it, lived in the state, and everything reshuffled itself to conform to that state to which he was faithful. I see to my immediate circle those uh, who you would not even think for one moment would become prominent, but they desire to be prominent. So those who desire to be successful as they conceive success know to see success in the same manner. Some see it through the eyes of wealth, others through rising in some profession, others in some other manner. While whatever they conceive it to be, they now realize it. If night after night they sleep in the assumption that they are now what they would like to be. So we go back. If the word is truly the word that creates the system in which we live, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 1. By him all things were made, and without him was not anything made that was made. John 1 3. Nope, not even the so called unlovely things, for if all things were made, he has to be responsible for the unlovely things as well. So we are told in Scripture, 
I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. Deuteronomy 32, 39. I create the blessing, I create the curses, but now I must choose life. Choose the lovely things, but don't say there's another creator. For if there is another creator, then we are in conflict. So my own imagination can conjure unlovely things if I dwell upon them. Or the lovely things, but there can't be two gods. There can't be two creators. And if I can find that creator and identify him with my own wonderful human imagination, then I can't pass the buck. I can't turn to anything and blame it for the things happening in my life. I know many of us are not discriminating, and when we see our own harvest, we don't recognize it. We can't conceive that we, in some strange manner, permitted these things to be entertained by us. But we did. It could not have come to pass in any other way. So if I believe it and accept it, well, then I will live by it. And then when I know what I want for anyone, and this goes for everything in this world. Well then, now this very instant you desire happiness and marriage? You say, well, there's not one person in my world that is eligible. I know one. You don't have to know anyone. All you have to do is to decide within yourself what you want. Now, what would you do if it were true? Would you wear a ring on the one finger that would imply that someone placed it there? One that you admire? Well, then, wear it there. Don't wear a physical ring. Put it on, just as though he had placed it there, and sleep feeling that which you are feeling is real. Don't say it's all imagination. Certainly it is. Because all imagination is Christ. Therefore, it's all reality. So when you say, that's only my imagination, well, you are just saying, that's only a thing called Christ when you treat imagination that way. Is there anything in this world that wasn't first imagined? Name one thing or point at one thing in this world for me that is now considered to be real that wasn't first only imagined. What is now proved was once only imagined. Therefore, this is a true statement. All things were made by him, John 1, 3, and he is your own wonderful human imagination. All objective reality is solely produced through imagining. The clothes you wear, the chairs on which you are seated, this in which we are now placed, everything was once only imagined. Now tonight, find out exactly what you, not what they think you ought to want, what you want. Ask no one's permission. You don't need anyone's permission. You only need your own decision. What do I want? Now, what would it be like if it were true? Now catch some mood and try to give that mood all the sensory vividness of reality. All the tones of reality and then sleep in it just as though it were true. And then await the inevitable. The inevitable is that you are going to resurrect it and objectify it on the screen of space. And then the world will call it real, and they may not believe you. It doesn't really matter. If you tell them it came to pass because you simply imagined it, no, they will point to the series of events that led up to it, and they will give credit to the bridge of incidents, across which you walk towards the fulfillment of that state. And they will point out some physical thing that was the cause. No, the cause is invisible, for the cause is God, and God is invisible to mortal eye. Who knows what you are imagining? No one knows, but you can sit down and imagine, and no one can stop you from doing it. But 
Can you give reality to the imagined state? If you do, yes, a bridge of incidents will appear in your world, and you'll walk across some series of events leading up to the fulfillment of the imaginal state. But don't give causation to any physical step that you took towards the fulfillment of it. You imagine yourself having a marvelous business, and then comes the day a building is for sale, and you have an nickel towards it. And a total, not a total stranger, but a man comes in and asks you quite in a friendly manner, are you going to buy it? And knowing you don't have a penny, you say to him, as would a friend to a friend, with what? And then he says, well, I have money. It's only in the bank drawing nothing. You say, well, I have no collateral. But he says, I've watched you. You are an honest person. Your family, they are honest. I think they are. Would you like me to buy it for you and get my lawyer to bid for it? If they knew that I am bidding, they know that I have money. They will bid me up, and so I'll get it at the very lowest price by getting a lawyer who represents more than one client, and they do not know whom he represents, and he'll bid for it. Are you willing to take it, regardless of the price? And you say, yes, I'll take it, but I have no collateral. Yes, well then, sign this. I will see if we can buy it. That day you own the building and you don't have one nickel when you own the building. That day, you only had your signature on a piece of paper. At the end of 10 years, you repay the man as principal. You reduce it every year, pay him 6% on the remaining principal and reduce the entire thing at the end of 10 years. The man died 20 years later and leaves you 150000 in cash, tax-free, and a couple of homes, many personal belongings. In the meanwhile, you continue in that business, and it multiplies and multiplies, and that year was 1922 and 1924. This is now 1968. That building, I'm speaking factually, that building in 1924 is now gone. He paid only 50000 for it. It was repaid and repaid. A bank three years ago bought the property. The building was rotted bought the property for 840000 in cash and no capital gain, from 50000 to 840000 Meanwhile, the business has expanded into all the other islands, so that today you couldn't buy them for $15 million, all in imagination. And this goes back to the imagination that preceded this man's offer to buy the building. For the young man, seeing this building and entertaining the thought that the present owners deceived his father and through deception got him out of a partnership, a junior partnership, and he was moved not to, even, or not to get even, but to prove that he really had something within him and could be a success in spite of, his, or of this deception. So every day he would see on that marquee, not their name, but his own family's name. And he would see it in his mind's eye because you could not take their name and transliterate it and make it spell this man's family's name. But he saw it. In his mind's eye, he saw that name, which, if true, would imply the family owned it. He did it every day, twice a day, for two years, and then came this sudden out of the nowhere, and the whole thing was made possible. And today they are all over the islands, and they have no partners. They have never taken in one partner, never sold one bit of stock outside of the family ownership, all by imagination. Now I know what I'm talking about because I'm a member of that family. I'm speaking of my own family. 
this is not hearsay i know it my second brother victor in whose imagination this whole thing began to bloom and he still works all by imagination he knows what he wants and then after having decided in himself that's what i want and that's good for the business he then in his mind's eye appropriates it and then lets things happen as told us in scripture the vision has its own appointed hour it ripens it will flower if it be long then wait for it is sure and it will not be late habakkuk two three moffat's translation read that in the book of habakkuk here is the true translation of that passage in habakkuk so when you know what you want remain faithful to that assumption and the assumption though at the moment is denied by your senses and denied by reason if you persist in it it will harden into fact are we not told that god calls a thing that is not seen as though it were seen and then the unseen becomes seen see romans four seventeen. he calls everything from the unseen into the seen in this simple manner for he is the resurrecting power so if i assume that i am i don't have to have evidence to support it i assume that i am am what well i name it and having given it a name given it form given it definition remaining in it i resurrect it and if it takes a thousand men to aid the birth of that state a thousand men will play their parts and i don't have to go out and look for them any more than my brother had to go out and look for this man he will not have known where to start looking for one the day of the sale so far as he is concerned he had done it in his mind's eye and he allowed everything to happen and he comes right in like a joke he really thought it was a joke and he said to this man are you fooling me he said no he said well then wait let me call my father he's at lunch he called him on the wire he said daddy come on up leave everything and come and then he said now you tell my father what you told me my father's name is joseph and my father said you really mean it he said yes joe i mean it i'll have him bid today you put your signature here and your son victor put his signature that's all i need that was a lifetime friendship so when that man died he didn't owe my brother victor anything he so loved the friendship and the feeling of well decency that he had with my brother victor he gave him a hundred and fifty thousand in cash and that was tax-free and the homes everything was tax-free and that building which he bought for fifty thousand was sold three years ago to the bank of nova scotia they tore it down and built a lovely structure but they paid our family eight hundred and forty thousand for that building and there was no capital gains tax the whole thing was simply free so i know what i'm talking about all i need from you is the acceptance of it will you believe it will you believe that with god all things are possible mark ten twenty seven. will you believe that all things are possible to man well you can't prove it in the not distant future but you are the operant power it will not work itself if you dare to assume this very night that you have a better job than you now hold or that you have a larger income you may be fired tomorrow don't be concerned on reflection you'll see it was necessary to move you towards the fulfillment of your assumption you could be fired and i wouldn't bat an eye if you told me tomorrow well i did what you told me you know what happened i was fired 
I have seen that it takes someone to fire you to get you into a better job. I have seen that time and again. I wouldn't go out and quit the job. You may be promoted in the job, or you may be invited by some other concern that is competitive to join them. I do not know how it happens. I only know if you remain faithful to the assumption, it's going to happen, and you are going to be promoted towards the fulfillment of that state that you've dared to assume that is yours. I could tell you unnumbered stories of this nature. So here I say, dwell in the end. The end is where we begin. For if... I've seen my name on the marquee. That's the end. I don't wait for the incident to take place in my world to move from one to the other to another. Leading up to that, I dwell in the end. So if I go to the very end, what, it what would it be like if it were true? A health case, now how it's going to become better. But you go to the end, and you say to someone who isn't well in your mind's eye, you say to them, you know, I've never seen you look better. And have them say to you, I've never felt better. Well, now that's confirmation for what you are seeing. You say, I've never seen you look better. And hear them say to you, well, I have never felt better. But you may say to me, I can't hear people. Oh, yes, you can. You can hear anything you want to hear. You don't have to hear it audibly. Listen this very moment. You may not be able to whistle a tune. Maybe you can't carry a tune in any manner whatsoever. You can't play an instrument, you can't whistle, you can't sing. Well, can you now imagine that you are hearing the battle hymn of the Republic? Listen, can't you hear it? Can't you augment it a thousand voices? Ten thousand voices? Did you hear it at the funeral of Senator Kennedy? Did you see it on TV? Wasn't that moving when the organ began to peal and suddenly that lovely soft voice singing it? And the whole thing became, well, the whole vast TV world was filled with it. I doubt there was very many dry eyes when he got through singing the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Well, I can't sing. I can't whistle the tune, but I can, just right now, stand here and listen and hear the entire thing swell. If I tried to duplicate it with my voice, I couldn't do it, but I can hear his voice as he sang it. You can hear anyone's voice. You can hear the speaker's voice. Tonight alone, you can hear my voice, and you can put upon my voice what you want to hear. And I, unknown to you, will find myself telling you something will happen to confirm what you're hearing. So you can do this for this good or ill. I advise you, do it for good. But the choice is yours. You can hurt and you can bless, but don't hurt. Use your imagination always lovingly on behalf of others. But to tell you that you cannot do it, to hurt is stupid because you can hurt. It's entirely up to you. So, you imagine what you want. Believe that you have it and see how it works in the world. Those who scoff at it, well, let them scoff. Five years from now, when you are on the top, they may be working for you and may even have forgotten that they sat in the same audience with you when you heard and believed. And they also heard, but they didn't believe. And so you moved on, and they remained behind. That's life. But there's only one creative power in the universe. Scripture names that power as God. Jesus Christ, the Lord, the same power, because there, are, because there aren't two gods. There aren't two lords. There's only one. 
and that one Christ dwells in us. He did not appropriate a single man, as the priesthoods of the world teach. They teach you of a single man, and they single out a man that differs from all men. He is a dwelling in this man or that man. His desire was to save humanity, and so he dwells in us. Not in that particular man. He didn't become this one man, dwelling in one man. Let no one tell you that Christ or that the Christ in you differs from the Christ, and let them name any man they want. He cannot differ. If there is a Christ other than that Christ who is crucified within us and who rose and continues to rise in humanity, he's a false Christ. And the teachers who teach of an external, objective, different Christ are false teachers. Christ is within, and he rises within. So you go out and put it to the test, put it to the extreme test. Christ in us, not out there, is the hope of glory. So this world of which I speak, and the word, by the way, its true definition is meaning. In the beginning, there was meaning to the whole thing. <clears throat> and that meaning was with God, and God himself was the meaning, John 1, 1. There is a purpose. There's a plan behind it all. He planned everything as it has come out, and as it will be con consummated. And the purpose of it all is to awaken in us, so that we and he are one. So he actually became us, that we may become God. It seems incredible, but it's true. That's the purpose of life. <coughs> Excuse me. To take humanity and lift it to God so it becomes God. So he became man, that man may become God. Now tonight, you need not confine it to yourself. Take a friend without the friend's consent, without the friend's knowledge, and lift him up. Do you know a friend who is unemployed? Well, then see him as gainfully employed, and don't tell him that you may brag tomorrow. Don't boast. Just see him gainfully employed. Here is a friend of mine in L.A., and this man was unmercifully bawled out by his supervisors and, and told that he was no earthly good. And they are considering letting him go. <clears throat> they are going to fire him. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> well, the man had no support outside of the job, and he had a family. He told my friend, well, my friend lives by this law, so he said to him, All right, go your way. He didn't tell him what he was going to do. He sat quietly at his desk and heard the man tell him that they praised him beyond measure for something that he had done. It wasn't 48 hours that they had a complete reversal of their attitude towards this man and their praise for something he did in the advertising world. But the blow left its mark, and he said to my friend, Yes, they've reversed it. But I don't feel easy on the job, because they could not have said the unlovely things that they said and forgot them. So it will come back, and I'm going to quit. I have no money. I'm giving them two weeks' notice. I'm going to ask them to give me one of the two that I can get myself together and maybe take off a few days and just get my thoughts in order. Well, at the end of the two weeks, he didn't have a job. My friend, when he told him what he was going to do, my friend knew he could not afford to quit and not work. So he saw him gainfully employed and earning 25% more than the present job. He took off the second week. When he came back at the end of the first week, he came into my friend's office and said, Only yesterday I got the job offer, and I start Monday. I do not lose one day's salary, and I start at 25% more 
than I received on the past job. What did it? My friend's imagination, a loving use of the imagination on behalf of a friend. Had he gone without that imaginal state, he would have walked into the place, and the man would have said, We have nothing, or we can't use you. Why are you quitting? He didn't ask anything. He simply wanted the man. So if you proceed your visit by an imaginal act, they will see you as you see yourself. If you walk in knowing that you're no good, they will see you exactly that way. But if you walk in the assumption that things are as you desire them to be, they're going to see you that way. And this is life. Now what greater claim can anyone make than to a claim that he is God? And when he claimed it, they said he is blasphemy. For here is a man, and the man claims he is God. The tenth chapter of John, and he said, it, Is it not written in your law, I say ye are God, sons of the Most High? John 10.34 If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, would you say of the one that he anointed and sent into the world that he is blaspheming? Do you know of any greater claim in the world than for a man to identify himself with God and walk as though he were, and not be ashamed to admit it? He doesn't go bragging about it, but he knows in his heart he is one with God. For if his imagination is God and he imagines, well then, that's God. And if he imagines a state and it comes to pass, then he knows the creative power that is God. He doesn't have to brag about it and be ashamed of it. He sleeps in a noble state because he is one with God. Well, let everyone take that attitude and the world will change. Not to be beaten, but you can take the whole vast world if they feel themselves slaves and give them the world. They will want it again tomorrow. Unless a man has self-respect, you can give him all the money in the world, and it means nothing. That goes for the individual. It goes for a family. It goes for a race of people. It goes for a nation. As our late President Hoover said, the rise and fall of ideas will determine the rise and fall of men, the rise and fall of nations, the rise and fall of communities. So tell me the idea that a community entertains of itself. And I'll tell you that community. But now change that idea of itself and you'll change that community. Let a family feel important in itself. It doesn't have to have a background. Who has a background? So you can go back far enough and almost everyone who now claims importance would be ashamed of that background. So don't go back. Start just where you are and don't pay anyone to look up your family tree because you are going to pay them to forget it. Just all of a sudden, start right now and assume the dignity that is God. That's your real background. It's God. And so assume it. And then, with that assumption, and if you have children, I hope you do, well then, instill that into the child. Instill it into all within the environment. And have them feel important. I have no background judged by human standards, either intellectual, financial, or these things. We made it. But Mother instilled in us, when we did something of which she was ashamed, she would say to us, Have you forgotten that you are a Goddard? Well, we didn't know. That must have been very important, because Mother said, Have you forgotten that you are a Goddard? Well, I never heard that we had any background. 
but all of a sudden you begin to feel that you must be important. So mother instilled it into our mind's eye. She made the name important, so today it is important. Where we are in the business sense, in every sense, it's important. But mother did that, and she married a man who had no background and took his name, but she made it important. All right, who has any background? As far as I'm concerned, I refuse to accept the aristocracy of any being in this world, other than the aristocracy of the spirit. What other aristocracy? Give me the aristocracy of the spirit. But don't come to me with any physical descent. I'm not an animal. I'm not a horse. Where you develop it by one horse after the other, I'm God. We are all God. You can't go back beyond God. So if that is the start of all of us, well then, that is our root, and so claim it now. At any point in time, claim it, and you'll find yourself being washed clean of anything you might have thought the family tree held. You don't have any family tree. The true Israelite is not a descendant after the flesh, but the elect of God, of whatever nation. That's the man of God. So you simply dare to assume that you are that man of God, and then apply what I'm telling you tonight. And may I tell you, in the not distant future, in the immediate present, it will work. If you don't falter and do not change the assumption, if you remain faithful to the assumption, it will harden into fact. Because imagining creates reality. It does. Now let us go into the silence. <laughs> 